Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm your host, Graham Richmond, and this episode is part of our popular admissions director Q&A series. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome Elizabeth Hutchinson from IE University. Liz has spent nearly her entire professional career in admissions across three highly prestigious institutions, Berkeley College of Music, Harvard Business School, and IE University. In her current role as head of admissions and enrollment for graduate programs, Liz is responsible for the enrollment of over 30 master's degrees with a team of over 40 employees for IE Business School, IE Law School, IE School of Science and Technology, IE School of Politics, Economics, and Global Affairs, and the IE School of Architecture and Design. Liz has a BA in music and Spanish from Brandeis University, an MBA from IE Business School, and a Master of Education from Harvard. Welcome, Liz. Thanks for having me, Graham. It's a pleasure. Um, I was so happy that you were able to do this because I, you know, I just wanted our listeners to learn more about IE. And also, I mean, you just have such a rich background in admissions um, across a couple of, you know, different institutions that we talk about a lot on the show in, in Harvard and IE. So I just thought it'd be so fun to chat about all this stuff. And I thought maybe a good starting point would be for you to just walk us through the path that led you to this current role that you're in. So I started off as a music major um, in college, and I just loved the collegiate environment, right? It's, I was one of those classic students that never wanted to leave college, right? <laughs> so I didn't. Um, I started working uh, for Berkeley College of Music, essentially right out of college, mm-hmm. um, in their admissions department for their online school, and then transitioned into their admissions department for, for their main campus bachelor programs. So I've been sort of one of those lucky individuals who always loved what they what they do. And so I, I continued at Berkeley for about four years in their admissions department. Mm-hmm. And then I decided I really wanted some sort of quantitative degree that helped me provide a lens to return to higher education, um, but with more of a quantitative and analysis focus to a master's program. So a lot of my friends were going into the traditional master's of education program, but I wasn't quite ready for that. I really wanted something that helped me to analyze and and learn more about the quantitative side and the analytical side of education rather than doing the traditional master's of education degree. Mm -hmm. So I was looking at MBA programs and I found IE. I loved, loved, loved IE for so many reasons. Um, It's located in Madrid, Spain. You can take courses in Spanish. It's really highly ranked and a prestigious program. Um, And it had a shorter MBA option. So it has a one-year MBA program. Mm -hmm. And as I was coming from education, I really wanted something that I could do somewhat quickly so I could return to the education. And also, so uh, from a ROI standpoint, the shorter the program, um, it provided a better opportunity for my return on my investment because it was it was a smaller tuition price tag um, yep. being a one-year program. So mm-hmm. I joined IE and I did their MBA program. And then after I returned to Harvard Business School where I spent three and a half years in Harvard Business School admissions. Mm-hmm. And then about a year and a half ago, IE called me and told me that the, the head of admissions role was open and would I be interested in applying as an alumnus. So wow. that is, that's how I ended up back at IE in Spain. Interesting. So I have a feeling that this is probably an easy question for you, but I mean, because you've been doing admissions related stuff for a while and you mentioned that you love, <laughs> love your work and, and things, but what is it that you like the most about this job? So there's so many things that I love about my job, but, but a couple that might be worth highlighting. Um, 
IE specifically is a really innovative environment. So I've really enjoyed um, working in a fast-paced, innovative culture. So we recently relaunched our international MBA program to have the option of choosing duration. So you can now do the accelerated version, which I did, which is a one-year program more or less, but there's also a 15-month version where you can spend more time um, working on your career journey, mm-hmm. uh, analyzing and discovering your purpose and your impact. Um, and then we also have a 19-month dual degree option for, for students interested in getting two degrees. So we're constantly updating, um, and that innovative environment is really interesting. Another way in which we're super innovative at IE is there's lots of new electives on courses like sustainable finance, strength-based leaderships and teams, corporate social responsibility. So there's there's always new iterations of the programming, and I, I find that really exciting. Excellent, yeah. A couple other reasons why I love my job. Uh, we work in a very multicultural environment, so there's over 130 countries represented on campus. Wow. And whenever you're walking through the halls, you're always hearing multiple languages at all times. And so working in a multilingual environment has also been really interesting. I can imagine. <laughs> and a unique opportunity at IE. Yeah, and I think that's something that I would argue is uh, really great about European MBA programs in general is that they there is this diversity of culture and language that you, you know, don't really find in the U.S. programs. I mean, the, the U.S. programs have diversity, clearly, but um, it's sort of like on steroids for all the <laughs> European <laughs> programs, I find. Um, so I have to ask, though, is there anything that you don't like about your job? <laughs> yes. The hardest part about working in admissions is always denying candidates. I mm-hmm. mean, the hardest part about working for prestigious programs is that, yes, you're you're creating amazing opportunities for some, but there will always be uh, students who, who want to study in a master's degree program, but for whatever reason, the program that they're applying to isn't a good fit for them, or they don't have the academic background that would, that would um, indicate they're ready for graduate study. Mm-hmm. And so I would say denying people is by far the worst part of my job. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay, so tell me a little bit, shifting gears here a little, I want to know sure. about something new that's happening or, or maybe that's forthcoming on campus that you wish more people knew about. Absolutely. So I would want to focus specifically on ESG and sustainability. Okay. Uh, we were actually, we're one of the first carbon neutral universities in Europe. Um, so we landed at number two globally for our carbon footprint in the ranking of the recent Financial Times MBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sustainability and ESG is something that's really important to us at IE. It's one of our main pillars. And I don't I don't think people enough people are talking about it. I mean, we as educators have the responsibility and sort of the opportunity to lead in certain initiatives. And this is one way in which I think IE is doing a fabulous job um, by becoming carbon neutral and sort of that manifests in the rankings in, in coming in second globally for our carbon footprint, but mm-hmm. it's always been a pillar. It was a pillar when I was a student in our international MBA program as well. It was part of the Net Impact Club, and we we had a conference on, on reducing your carbon footprint and how to do um, sustainable fashion in a, in a more sustainable way. Mm-hmm. So it's always been there, but it's nice to see that recognition uh, coming and 
and sort of manifesting in the rankings, but also in, in press releases because it's always been a pillar at IE. Interesting. Yeah. And we see, I mean, at Clear Admit, you know, in terms of our community, we do see an increased interest in ESG. And, and I think it was interesting that the, the FT has, you know, started to add in those factors to the ranking. So right? um, it's great. A welcome initiative. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So give me an IE stereotype that you would like to debunk. Sure. I was recently on the road in, in Manila interviewing candidates for our international MBA program. And, and a couple of people asked me, well, you know, is it possible to apply to the program if I'm not an entrepreneur? And I thought, wow, <laughs> what a stereotype about our school. Uh, so it's, it's true that about 25% of our alumni start their own company. And, and we have always had a strong focus on entrepreneurialism in our curriculum as well as in our school, school more broadly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an entrepreneurial center on campus. It has its own location and its own events. It's also part of our curricular offerings. Uh, but we also have, have some other great offerings as well. So you don't have to be an entrepreneur to apply to IE, <laughs> despite the fact that we have a strong entrepreneurial focus. So that was an interesting an interesting stereotype that I encountered on the road recently. But <laughs> we have funny. strong employment figures for, for all industries and, and functional areas. So we were recently ranked 19th globally for employability. So we have a strong, that was from the Times Higher Education, mm-hmm. by the way. So we have a strong focus on careers, which I think is quite distinct at IE. So 44% of our business school graduates change location. That's something we see quite frequently. Mm-hmm. Uh, 20% of students go into technology. 20% of students go into financial services. 17% of business school students go into consulting. Mm-hmm. Um, and employers, the list of employers is long, but some of our top recruiters are Amazon, Salesforce, BCG, MasterCard. So there's a lot more than just entrepreneurialism at IE. Entrepreneurialism will always be a strong focus. Um, at IE specifically, we were a startup only 40 years ago. We, we are a relatively new university, mm-hmm. uh, but there's strong employment figures for, for all different industries, locations, and functional areas. So I think that's important to note as well. Yeah, and I think our listeners will note that you know those stats that you just gave are we we've been reviewing kind of employment reports on the show on our weekly show mm-hmm. and and you know the, those stats of you know big numbers into tech into finance into consulting are very consistent with you know the very best programs in the world so that's awesome and yeah that's an interesting st- stereotype too <laughs> um, it's funny yeah so I guess I you know folks tuning in are really keen in terms of like sort of learning about the application process that's really one of the big um, kind of focal points for for this show. And so I wondered if you might walk us through sure. the life of an application, you know, from the moment that the candidate presses submit to the moment that she gets like a final decision. Absolutely. I'd be I'd be happy to review the application process. I think it's it's often a mystery to candidates. Um, yeah. so happy to <laughs> provide some uh, the clarity around around the process. So when you submit your application, it of course goes to the admissions team to review. So here at IE, our advising team might reach out to verify some of your documents um, and to make sure we have everything you received. So you always have the op- option to submit your application um, and send your GMAT scores later, for instance. Um, and so we have an advising team that will reach out and make sure that all the documents have been received and verified. 
After that point, applications are reviewed internally and those who we perceive to have the qualifications in alignment with a program are sent to interview. So you get an invitation to interview. It's a really cool link in which it syncs up with our calendars and you can choose the time that works best for you to interview. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do those interviews online for the most part, but you still have the opportunity to in-person interview as well if that's of interest. And then the interview process is similar across the board. You interview with a member of the admissions team. It's usually about an hour long, more or less. Mm -hmm. And then after that interview, applications are sent to the board of admissions. So our board of admissions here at IE meets weekly. And so we review candidates on a weekly basis. And then after candidates are reviewed, admissions decisions are sent within one to two weeks. So at IE, it's a little bit distinct because we have rolling admissions, Mm -hmm. which is quite unique within the master's portfolios and the master's industry. Yeah. But it allows us to view candidates throughout the year. Um, It also means that the process is often quicker as you aren't waiting for some designated day of the year in which to hear back with all of the other candidates to the program. Yeah. Um, And so it helps to to expedite the process that we're reviewing candidates weekly. So more or less, that's the process after you hit submit um, and until you receive that admissions decision. So if if you're not fortunate enough to get an interview invitation, then you're told fairly early on, right? It sounds like, I mean, you you don't, do you wait to tell people or you kind of just tell them once you know that they're, they're either getting an interview or they're not? Yeah, so we usually reach back to students within a few weeks of applying. Wow, okay. So the whole process as as a whole from submitting your application to to receiving an admissions letter shouldn't take longer than a month to a month and a half. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and I can, I mean, I know there are other, there are a couple other programs that do kind of rolling or kind of have these like monthly admission cycles, but I think you guys are probably in the lead when it comes to being able to kind of, you know, speedily kind of get someone a response, which I know candidates love uh, because yeah, like you said, waiting for some like specific date. Waiting is the worst part. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it would be rather ironic if we weren't innovative and we weren't fast paced, right? That's part of our culture generally. Mm -hmm. So if we made the candidates wait, uh, that would be very ironic. Yeah, got it. Okay, so if you had to give candidates one kind of admissions tip about your application essay, what would that be? So I would say that in admissions, after working in admissions, even a couple of months, but definitely after a few years, it's really obvious to see when students are trying to tell you what you want to hear <laughs> rather than telling their story authentically. Yeah. Uh, so one thing I would say is just try and be as authentic and possible. You're in the best possible position to tell your story. Um, so focus on your purpose, focus on your interest, why this program might be of interest to you specifically, mm-hmm. but don't try and reverse engineer the process. Really speak to your authentic story and, and tell that story well. I will say at IE, we have the unique option of submitting a written essay or an alternative admissions essay, such as a PowerPoint, a Prezi presentation, a video. Um, so we still have written assessments as part of the process, but we do allow candidates to be a little bit more creative in how they express themselves and how they express their interest in our programs. So be as creative as possible, be as authentic as possible, but don't try and reverse engineer the program. Yeah. The, don't that, try and reverse engineer the process. The process, me. yeah. No, that, and that's a really good piece of advice. In fact, uh, so one of the things, I mean, people come to clearedmit.com because there's lots of, you know, kind of uh, information on business school 
schools and admissions tips and things. But one thing that people never find on the site are uh, sample essays, even though it's probably the most popular request. People sure. want to see, oh, well, let me just read essays from people who got in. And I always tell people that's probably the worst thing that you could ever do because you're going to lose your own voice if you start to try, like you're saying, to kind of reverse engineer from like, oh, these are essays that work, therefore I have to kind of fit myself into that mold or something. So exactly. I think that's terrific advice. Um, so one of the things that, you know, while we're talking about the process and the different components of the application, one of the things, and I remember this from, I mean, this, I want to say at least 20 years ago, I feel like you guys are unique in that the candidates have this option to either take the GMAT or the GRE or your own entrance exam that you guys have created. And I just would love to know more about this IE admissions test and, you know, does, and also does your team have a preference, but am I correct though? I mean, I feel like this has been around for a really long time that you've had your own exam too. We have had our own unique exam for many, many years. When yeah. I was applying to the international MBA program in 2016, we had our own admissions test. Yeah. Um, and since it has become entirely online at the time I took it, it was on paper, but it was mm -hmm. unique in its offering in 2017 and still remains to be true that it's it's quite unique in the admissions process yeah. um, relative to other schools. There are a couple of advantages of taking the IE test, but I will start off with the, the point that we are rather agnostic as to which exam you're taking. So we do allow students to take the GMAT or submit GMAT scores, GRE scores, a couple of other exams specifically for our master's in finance, for instance, mm -hmm. but we're agnostic as to which one you take. So you should do whichever works best for you. However, we do find that a lot of students or applicants are really interested in taking the, the IE admissions test specifically for a couple of reasons. First of all, there's no preparation needed. So unlike the GMAT or GRE, you don't need to study for it. Mm -hmm. um, you just get up that day and, and take the test online. It's also offered at various times throughout the week. So it's offered at multiple times throughout the day. So there are sessions at 10 a.m., but there's also sessions at 6 p.m. So, mm -hmm. so we meet the needs of our, our very diverse group in many different international time zones. Got it. Um, and it's offered on multiple days each week. And so there's always the ability to take the test and, and go through the process more quickly. And then one thing to note, we don't share scores. It's just for internal review. Um, and the test changes a bit to pay based on which programs you're applying to. So again, at the beginning, you, you mentioned that I oversee graduate programs for, for multiple schools within IE, so the law school and the business school and a couple of others. And so the test changes a little bit for each program in okay. terms of the contents of the test so that we can really try and analyze how you would fit in in that program specifically that you're mm -hmm. applying to. Okay. Um, so... When you say you don't, that the scores are in, does that mean the candidate doesn't find out how they did? Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah, they're just for our internal purposes. And, and there's no point in sharing them because if you aren't familiar with the test itself, the, the result is irrelevant, right? Right. Because if you're not used to seeing what is the average uh, score for sure. students for this program, <laughs> it, the, 
there's no context for which to review the number, right? Got it. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so that, yeah. And I think it's really interesting that you, I, I do, I definitely, so I had a chance, I think I mentioned this to you when we met not so long ago that I had a chance to go to campus in Madrid um, several years ago, probably yes. it might've been around 2016 or somewhere in there, maybe even a little earlier, but yeah. And I remember learning about the test and I think it was really interesting that you guys have your own test that's available and very smart. So, um, so anyway, th- yeah, it sounds really interesting for, for candidates too, in the sense that, you know, they don't have to spend like three months prepping for something. It's not, you know, it's a, a different sort of process. Um, let's talk a little bit more about interviews. So I know you mentioned that, you know, the, the, that the, there's a decision made about whether someone's going to get an interview. It's done with the committee, virtual or in person if they want. But tell me, like, what should one expect and how might one prepare for the interview at IE? So I would say that to start off with, it's always helpful to have some specific examples from your professional or academic experience that you'd like to highlight. Um, so when preparing for interviews, and this this is across the board at IE or or any interview, I would I would always have a list of a couple of examples of ways in which you were able to influence a team or motivate a group or professional experiences that you're particularly proud of the results and bring those specifics to the interview. They can be professional or if you're a recent grad, they can be academic experiences, but it's always helpful to have a couple of anecdotes to be able to contribute during the interview and ones that you think are important uh, for understanding you as a candidate. Uh, I would also say that it's helpful to not only prepare answers to questions about your professional and academic experience, um, but also about yourself and the subject matter of questions for programs. So if you're applying specifically to a master's in finance, you should at least have a general sense of what are some trends that are going on in the world of finance, right? Mm-hmm. Because at any at any school, they're evaluating your academic abilities, your ability to work in groups, but also your, your interest in the actual program in which you're applying, right? So it's helpful mm-hmm. to understand um, a couple of trends and what's going on generally in the industry in which you're hoping to get a job and the, the context in which you're applying. So if you're applying to an international relations degree, like our master's in international relations, you should know what's going on in the world of international relations and have some topics to, to bring up. <laughs> yeah. It sounds, it sounds silly, but it, it's important. No. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, I think, you know, I always tell people like read, you know, the economist that week that you're having your interview or, or, I mean, ideally read it regularly or some kind of periodical that will keep you kind of abreast of things because yeah, if you claim that you want to go into field X, you probably need to know a little bit about, <laughs> about the current happenings in that field or else it might suggest that you haven't done your homework. So yeah, no, I think that's great. Great advice. Um, How, let's talk a little bit about Madrid because I mean, you know, IE is located in Madrid. Uh, It's a major business city for Spain, but how does this university kind of tap into that and take advantage of everything that Madrid has to offer? Absolutely. Always happy to talk about Madrid. I live (laughs) here now and it was a huge plus when applying to IE Business School that it was specifically in Madrid. So there's a couple of things that I have to call out. First, there are 350 days of sun a year. And this might be my background as someone coming from Boston who grew up (laughs) with tons and tons of snow. But 350 days of sun a year, it is Europe's 
sunniest capital. Wow. So that's just one silly but important fact that, that students should know is it's Europe's sunniest capital here in Madrid with 350 days of sun. <laughs> but on a more serious note, it is the capital of Spain and there's lots of really incredible opportunities here. So one thing to highlight is South Summit. So IE hosts South Summit each year in Madrid. It's a conference and startup competition with over 7,000 attendees. Hmm. So again, that our focus on innovation, our focus on entrepreneurialism, South Summit is one of those things, okay. and it's always hosted here in Madrid. Um, we have three campuses specifically that students can access in the heart of Madrid. So within the financial district, there is the IE Tower, which you might be familiar with if you've been on our website. Mm -hmm. It's in a lot of our pamphlets, yeah. but it's this beautiful vertical campus that we created to house the undergraduate students and some of our graduate programs. So that's in the heart of the financial district. So it's right next to PwC, KPNG, a bunch of other strong employers that can just walk across the street and, <laughs> and join us for presentations. Yeah. So that's one way in which we're, we're really utilizing the city is being right in the heart of the financial district. And then our other campus is in Barrio Salamanca. So that is a historic and beautiful neighborhood in the center of Madrid. Um, and it is a wonderful place to work and live yes. and eat. <laughs> and so we kind of have the best of both worlds in that we are in the financial district in one campus, in the heart of Madrid city in another. Um, and then we're all here enjoying both the top industries that are around on, on campus to, to provide sessions for students and visit campus, but also enjoying, it would be silly to pretend that we're not also enjoying the sun of Madrid, the amazing food, um, and the wonderful cultural experience that is that is Madrid, Spain. Yeah. And do you guys have, I feel like, do you have a footprint anywhere else aside from Madrid? I can't remember if that's true or not. So there is the undergraduate campus in Segovia, which oh, okay. is about... Uh, 45 minutes outside the city in the mountains. Okay. And then we have a lot of initiatives where we send our students to partner organizations throughout the world. Okay. So we have global immersion weeks in a number of our programs, like the global online MBA program or executive MBA programs. And those students travel to Singapore, travel to Dubai, travel to Berlin or San Francisco as part of the programming. So in terms of curricular structure, we have a lot of international experiences as part of our programs mm -hmm. um, and our main campus is the one here in Madrid for master students. Got it. Okay. So I have one more kind of serious admissions question for you. And then I wanted to ask you a bunch of kind of fun questions after that, just so our listeners get to know you a bit, but <laughs> sure. Um, the last kind of serious question is just that, you know, you worked in admissions at another leading business school, um, HBS. And, and so I was just kind of wondering, like, do you have any observations about, you know, how things are similar or, or different at IE? And I mean, you've had this, as I said at the outset, like you've had a lot of rich experience in admissions. And yeah, so just kind of curious if there are anything, anything you've observed in this, you know, new environment. Sure. Happy to, happy to discuss more. And first, let me just put out the... Let me first just mention that I loved my time at HBS and it's a wonderful group of individuals who work there in the admissions department. Um, I'm very lucky at IE to be in a relatively new and innovative school. So the, in terms of the spectrum, HBS was you know over 100 years old, whereas IE was founded about 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. So I'm very lucky now to be in a very innovative and agile environment. Being 40 years old, plus or minus, 
allows for a certain level of agility that you you just couldn't have with a strong institution with hundreds of years of reputation, right? So mm-hmm. we often launch new degrees to meet market demands. Uh, in the past few years, we've launched new degrees in data analytics and big data within the School of Technology. That's offered as a dual degree with our international MBA program, so students can do the international MBA and then shift to big data and analytics. And so always updating that content, always changing the structures and and the offerings, that sort of agility and fast-paced market approach is something that is unique to IE and sort of a manifestation of the fact that we are relatively new school in terms of in terms of schools, if you look at Oxford, if you looked at London Business School, yes, we're relatively new. Yeah. And that allows for a lot of agility within our program structure, within our program offerings, um, and to the school at large. Yeah, that makes sense. And I've seen that over the years in terms of, you know, I've, I've been working in this space for probably more years than I want to <laughs> uh, admit. But <laughs> No one's asking. Don't worry, Grab. <laughs> But it's, uh, you know, IE is a school that, you know, has kind of really risen rapidly in the ranks, at least from where I sit. You know, it's a school that kind of launched itself into the discussion of best schools in Europe and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, so I think that makes sense. You know, you guys have been able to do a lot of um, innovative things and, yeah, respond, like you say, to market demands for for where people, you know, what people are looking to study and so on. So so if you're willing, I wanted to ask you some (laughs) fun questions and we'll just sort of zip through them. They're kind of what we call our lightning round and I always do this fear not like I've done this with every admissions director that I've had a chance to to sit down with and okay. everyone gets the same question so um, so okay so here we go I'm just gonna we'll do them kind of rapid fire um, and hopefully it'll <laughs> have some fun here all right so the first one is uh, coffee or tea coffee especially cafe con leche yes that's yeah that's delicious um, <laughs> all right so uh, number two beach or mountains both can I answer both yeah, you can. <laughs> so what makes you say that? I guess you have access to both there, right? I mean, you're not, you know, you're kind of well situated. Yeah. So the mountains are right next to Madrid. You can go 30 minutes yeah. and be in the mountains and go for a great hike. And then you can be two hours on the bullet train to the beach. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that makes sense. Uh, morning person or night owl? Morning person. Absolutely. There's a reason we're recording this podcast. Yeah, at 10 I know. <laughs> That's what I figured. <laughs> um, all right. What about, what's a pet peeve that you have? Not using headphones on the subway. No. Oh, when people. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So people listening to music. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Yeah. I get that <laughs> one. Um, it always sort of surprises me, especially in this era. Like I remember, you know, being younger. Um, people only had kind of boom boxes. Yep. There was no real way or, you know, there were headphones, but, you know, but now there's, yeah, sort of no excuse. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. What about a guilty pleasure? Spanish cheesecake. So tarta de queso. Is, oh, there's so many wonderful places in Madrid to get tarta de queso. So cheesecake. All right. It's my guilty pleasure here in Madrid. <laughs> Excellent. What's your favorite virtue in others? Patience. I am, a, there's a reason I love IE. It's very fast paced and, and fun, uh, but I really admire patience in other people. Okay. Excellent. And what about a happy place? My happy place is on the terrace of my apartment here in Madrid. I have my coffee there each morning and it's, it's truly heavenly. And I, I'm guessing most days there's some sun. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right. What about a comfort food? And you can't use cheesecake because you've kind of discussed that already. <laughs> so, so is there something else that's a good comfort food? Oh, yes. Croquetas. So those like fi- fried Spanish balls of, of potatoes and cheese and milk. Oh, it's, it sounds odd. It, 
for an American, it, it sounded odd when I when I moved here five years ago, but no, it's fantastic. I think, didn't we eat those at the GMAC conference? In I think we did, Bar- yes. Yeah, they gave those to us. Yeah, that was very, very good. Um, all right, so and what about your proudest moment? Sure, well, I'll, I'll mention my graduations from both IE and from Harvard. So I did my MBA program at IE and then the master's in education after at the Harvard Graduate School of Education and and those were my two proudest moments. Excellent. Yeah. And then um, this one's tough, a superpower that you wish you had. So I don't know that this is a superpower, but long distance running. <laughs> I'm always so impressed with people who can do long distance running. I'm 100% a sprinter slash the elliptical user at the gym. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. We. It's funny. Um, on the show, sometimes we kind of talk about candidates who are applying to business school. And there was someone who runs... Um, I think they're called ultra marathons. And so for me, like the idea of a marathon, I know, like the idea of a marathon (laughs) is already kind of off the charts, but people running like a hundred kilometers or something ridiculous, you know? Um, So yeah, I hear you on that one. Uh, Which part of the admissions process would you most like to skip if you were applying to, to business school today? I would say that I visited a lot of programs in person. And I think post COVID, there are a lot of really awesome opportunities to virtually visit campuses and get a feel for a program before before applying. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's certainly no credit given towards students who are showing up in person to do the campus tour versus the campus tour online, at least at IE, right? Yeah. And so I would, I would say you can get a really strong feel for a program through their online offerings, through their info sessions, through their virtual pamphlets. So I would say that visiting in person prior to applying. Now, if you get admissions decisions and you're in between two programs, it might be a great idea to visit campus because it does provide a more in-depth experience, of course. But I would say that I visited quite a few programs before I applied. Um, And it was quite a cost personally and and monetarily. So I think that's something that can be skipped um, prior to applying in the post-COVID world. Yeah, you're making me remember, you know, I visited a lot of business schools and you're right, at a pretty substantial cost. Um, And now things are, yeah, things are so much better in terms of being able to at least do that initial layer of research and, you know, like you say, virtual tours, all that stuff so that you can kind of spend your time visiting schools that you're really certain you want to attend or, you know, like you said, deciding between when you've got offers, et cetera. So that's really good, good advice. Um, I have one more question for you and this one's just fun, but what's the best thing that you've read or watched or or listened to recently? Sure. So this is a tough one because I have an extremely niche interest. So I'm currently (laughs) reading a history of American higher education uh, by Dr. John Thielen. So Mm -hmm. that's, fascinating for me. I don't know how applicable that is to the rest of your readers <laughs> or listeners, uh, but that's the current book I'm reading. Okay. Excellent. Well, it makes sense. I mean, given your, you know, your field of, of work and your master's in, in ed and stuff. So that's consistent. Yes. <laughs> um, so Liz, I did want to thank you for making time to do this. And I've learned a lot about IE through this conversation. And I know that our listeners have as well. So I really appreciate you making time to, to join us and, and chat. Of course. Well, thank you so much for having me. And, and it was quite a pleasure. Yeah. So um, everyone stay tuned. We've got more episodes coming of the Clear Admit MBA Admissions podcast and obviously our weekly wiretaps episodes come at you every Monday. So thanks again for listening. 